Good morning. How is everybody this morning? Good, good. Um, thank you everybody for joining us this morning. Anybody joining in online and just thank you again for the opportunity for me to be able to give this morning's message and to speak God's word. Um, this morning's title is going to be uh, Path of Peace. And if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll be reading Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, and the words will be on the screen. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Yet they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, and suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the very many blessings that you've given us, dear God. Just thank you for this message this morning. I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to receive it, dear God, and to apply it to our lives and our daily walk. I ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So isn't it great that we have a Savior that chose to come down and deliver us from our sins, that we should have peace on earth? This scripture is read most at the time of Christmas as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And I know what you're thinking, Travis, it's not Christmas yet. It's just the middle of October. And I don't know if you celebrate Christmas festivities early, but Tana and I definitely do. And so as soon as October 1st hit and it wasn't 100 degrees, we were playing Christmas music in our house. We had a trip to Albuquerque at which we played Christmas music and movies during the entire drive. We've watched Christmas with the Cranks once and only like about 27 more times before Christmas is here. (laughs) And I can promise this is not the only Christmas movie we will watch before Halloween. And so The reason that I want to talk to y'all about this, and and it's not only Tana, if I can be honest, when I used to drive back and forth between my parents' houses, it was a five-hour drive, and I listened to Christmas music the whole time. So uh, summer, Thanksgiving, didn't matter, it was Christmas music. So, Um, But the reason I want to talk about this this morning and one of the reasons that I love this time of Christmas year is because of the peaceful nature that it brings to us. It's a perfect time for a reminder of where our peace comes from and the reason I'm talking about this is because I think at this time we've lost our sense of where our peace comes from truly in our lives. You see we each have this imagination of what peace may look like in our lives. For some of us it may be on vacation It may be on the beach, on a mountain. It may be reading a book. It may be sitting alone in tranquility just listening to music. It may be in the shower, a bath, 
But I would imagine that there is no one in this congregation that would claim on Monday morning when you go to work, you will have peace. When you walk into work and see your coworkers, you won't have peace. When you talk to your boss, you won't have peace. When customers come in, you won't have peace. When you realize that you don't have enough gas to make it home, you won't have peace. And, and you see, once we get home, we turn the TV on and we see that there's news of a war going on overseas, none of us can have peace. But we all fall into this mistake of what we need to supplant this fear and anxiety and replace it with a fake peace in our lives. At first, we try to replace our problems with this prosthetic peace for just a few moments. We need a vacation. We need to go for a walk. We need to take a nap. Just a little peace is all we need. And I'm not saying that these are wrong things to do, but over time, as we continue to use this crutch of a prosthetic peace in our life, pressure is building on us. And we then allow the pressure of this world to not let us find peace in anything in our lives. And then we start to miscorrelate the source of our stress with the reason why we don't have peace. Have you ever heard this? I need a new job. I need more money. I need new people in my life. And let me show you why this can be dangerous for relying on these worldly things for sources of peace in our life. If, you're, if your finances are stressing you and you believe you need a change to your finances to get peace, you are granting your finances authority over your peace. If your work is causing you stress and you believe you need a different job to have peace, you are granting your work and career authority over your peace. You see, some of us may feel like we are missing pieces in our life when truly we are just missing peace. Oh, if I just had this job, I'd have peace, or just this much money in my account, I then may have peace. But the true answer is you can have peace with all of the pieces that God has placed in your life right now. And this last one baffles me the most. If people are stressing you out, understand that you need people to change for you to have peace. You are granting other people authority over your peace. And if you let people be the source of your peace, they can just as easily take it away. Can I be honest with you for a moment? Wives, your husband is the best and worst form of peace you will ever meet in your life. Husbands, this is ditto. Your wives are a great and terrible source of peace in our life. Parents, your children. Well, that's a whole sermon on, their, on its own, so I'll, I just ain't going to get there. But, but you see, if we let these people control the peace in our life, we'll only find comfort in a temporary peace. But church, I want us to have a deeper, everlasting peace that God has given us. You see, each of these worldly things can be stripped away from us in the blink of an eye. Each of these situations can change in the matter of seconds. And if we are relying on each of these situations in our life for our source of peace, when they are taken, we become lost. I wanted to start off this morning with the scripture from Luke chapter 2 to emphasize that Jesus had to bring peace to earth through his birth. You see, peace was not on this earth prior to our Savior walking among us. True peace 
had yet to be realized. And although peace was now on earth, peace was not from earth. I tell you this because the peace that we are seeking cannot be supplied here on earth. And Jesus explains this to the Jewish authorities in John chapter 8. He says that we will go, that he will go away, excuse me, he will go away and they cannot go where he is going because they belong to this world, yet he came from above. He explained that he is, they are from this world, but he is not. So Jesus, the Prince of Peace, had to walk among us to teach us this heavenly peace. And he did just that. But it's ironic how our Savior's path to deliver us this peace was not easy. Actually, it led our Savior to a hill to be crucified, to be brutally beaten for our sins and our disobedience. You see, our path to peace was Jesus' life on earth, from his birth to when he carried the cross to his death. And he spells it out to us in John 14, verses 26 and 27. He is preparing at this time his disciples for his death, and he says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives because the worldly peace that we're seeking on this earth can easily be taken away. And he finishes with reminding them, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. But at this time, this is really confusing for the disciples. You see, at this point, Jesus had provided everything for the disciples. He had provided them with comfort and strength and purpose, direction, and ultimately, with peace. But now Jesus is telling them he has to go, but he is leaving his peace with them. See, it didn't make sense to them because they didn't understand that they could have peace while Jesus was going. In our lives, I see that we are exactly where the disciples are. Everything is good. I'm peacefully relaxing, watching Thursday night football in my recliner, Peace is all with me, and I am well. When in the kitchen, I hear the garbage disposal turn on, and I know that my wife is in the shower, and that there is now a two-year-old messing with my garbage disposal. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there is now a ghost of my peace that I'm praying for just five more minutes. And you see, the disciples are thinking the same thing. You see, Jesus... The Prince of Peace is with them on earth. And as he's telling them that he's leaving, they're asking, God, just stay with us. We don't understand. Why would you let peace go from this world? They, they just didn't understand what Jesus was telling them. But Jesus was trying to provide them with a better peace to come into this world, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. And he tells them this in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see, Jesus promises us this helper in the advocate, the Holy Spirit. But the disciples wanted him here in flesh. 
The peace and comfort to them was now tangible because he was with them, right where they could see it. Not knowing that the spiritual peace he wanted to give them would be everlasting in the Holy Spirit. And I feel like we are standing in the disciples' footsteps right now wanting a fleshly peace, asking God, please, just let me have a little more money. That would give me peace. Please, let me have a different job. That would give me more peace. And what we don't understand is that there is a better peace waiting for us to accept it. But we have one problem that usually stands in front of us. You see, we have to do exactly what the disciples had to do at this point in time in their life. They had to surrender perfection. For the disciples, this was literal. As they watched their perfect Savior, the perfect peace, leave them and be crucified. For us, it's a little bit more figurative. You see, we have to surrender our expectation of perfection to realize peace. And Jesus explains this to the disciples again as he is preparing them for his death. In John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome this world. You see, it is in him who is not of this world that we may have peace. And he tells them specifically in this world that they will have trouble. Your life won't be perfect. Your job won't be perfect. Your house, your kids, your spouse, your situation will never be perfect. This world is not perfect. People will make mistakes. People will hurt you. The world will give you trouble. But we have to surrender this expectation of peace. And some of us may feel like we're drowning in this situation in our life right now. And I want to remind you of Mark chapter 4 when Jesus calms the storm and he's on the sea with his disciples. And he's sleeping and there's waves coming over and crashing onto the boat. And his disciples say, Lord, wake up, wake up. Don't you see that we are drowning? And he says, ye of little faith. And he calms the storm. You see, sometimes Jesus doesn't just immediately come into our lives and take us out of the situation that we are in. Sometimes he guides us through that situation and through that life. But we have to surrender our expectation of perfection. So now that I've kind of explained what Jesus' role is in our peace and the Holy Spirit's role is in our peace, I want to give some guidance for us in what our role is. There are only two things that you need to remember. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, first, we must be justified through faith so that we can have peace with God. And what does that mean? It means our salvation gives us peace with God. Asking the Holy Spirit to enter your heart and repenting from your sins will first grant you peace with God. You see, we have to go through step one first before we go to step two. We can't skip it. You see, if we skip it, we'll spend twice as much time putting it together, putting our life together, just as we'll spend twice as much time putting together our kids' trampolines or play sets if we skip step one and go to step two. 
I've done it plenty of times. <laughs> Start on step one and read the directions. So now let's go to step two. It says in Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4, it says, You will keep in perfect peace, the perfect peace that we are all seeking. You will keep perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. The Lord himself is the rock eternal. You see, trust abiding in him gives us the peace of God. Salvation gives us peace with God, while abiding in him gives us the peace of God. And we cannot experience this peace of God yet until first we have peace with God. So let's use some of this practically. If you want to have peace with people in your life, show God to these people. Instead of calling your friends for your problems, pray about them. If you are having trouble with your finances, make, make sure to first put God in your finances. And I ask that you don't get discouraged if he doesn't answer your prayers exactly when you are, if he doesn't answer your prayers when you are abiding in him exactly the way you would see it. See, when Jesus woke up on the boat and calmed the storm, he did exactly what the disciples would have expected from him. But Jesus tells us that there's going to be trouble in our life. So not all times does Jesus completely answer our prayers exactly the way we would see it. You see, Jesus is the prince of peace, not the prince of convenience or the prince of your preference. You see, he told us there is trouble in the world, yet we can be comforted because we don't have to walk through this world alone, and that is why he has sent us the Holy Spirit. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will have no fear, for you are with me. It says, even though we walk through the valley, and the reason we have no fear is because we know that the Holy Spirit will walk with us. God will meet us in our problems and guide us through them. As I prepared to close, I wanted to read to you one more scripture from Luke chapter 1, verses 76 through 79. And this scripture is written before Jesus' birth, one at which the prophet Zechariah was prophesying over his son, John the Baptist. And it says, And you, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation. Step one, salvation. Through the forgiveness of their sin because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, not from this world, from heaven to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadow of death. And as Jesus said, we have trouble in this world. All of us are living in this darkness and in the shadow of death. And it's going to shine on those who are struggling, who are hungry, who are looking for a way out, who can't take one more ounce of pressure this world has put on them. But the last part of this verse is what I need you to hear. It says, the light will shine to guide our feet into the path of peace. You see, the prophecy has the answer before Jesus came. There isn't a path to peace on this earth. You see, the path to peace was walked by Jesus, our Savior, being born of a virgin and carrying the cross to his death. 
If there was a path to peace on earth, that would mean it is external and we would have to search for it. And there isn't peace way out somewhere out there. Peace is in here when we abide in the Holy Spirit. This life is a path of peace for us to carry with us daily, just how God wanted it. And it hurts me to see so much pain and so much malice in the world and so much confusion about people searching for this peace when our Savior has already paid the price for this everlasting peace we could have. Church, will you please stand with me? Ultimately, we've got to stop searching for this external peace. We've got to stop settling for a partial peace that this world gives us. We got to go directly to the Holy Spirit to get an everlasting peace. If you're having trouble finding this peace, I ask that you come forward and, and you let one of the elders pray with you, dear. And I, I ask that if you're having trouble with the struggles of this life and the pressure, I ask that you ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life to lift that pressure off of you. I pray that, or I ask that if you're needing a church home, please come forward. We would welcome you with open arms. So if you'd please bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the path of peace that you give to us in this life, dear God. I just, I thank you for walking the path to peace that you did with your lot when you walked your cross Dear God, I pray that you just keep us safe, keep these words in our hearts that we can carry this peace with us daily, wherever we may go. If we abide in the Holy Spirit, dear God, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.